November 14th, 2022, we're in Masechet Sanhedrin, if you count from the bottom, it's eight lines up, and it's the last word on the line. The Gemara continues to give these, I'd like to say, hypothetical circumstances with regards to, unfortunately, taking the life of another, but the Gemara testing and determining, is this going to be considered direct, to the extent that the person who did so is going to be liable to mitat betin, to killing him bide adam by human beings in a rabbinical court, or alternatively, even though it's wrong, even though it's asur, and he'll be nidon bide shamaim, the heavens will judge this person. It's not direct enough. We're going to consider it geraman as a result, not be able to put the person to death bide adam in betin. Says so the Gemara, Amar of Papa, hai man means this person who. De kafte le havre, who tied up his friend, well, some friend, the ashkil ale bitka de maya, and then he places upon him uh, a rushing source of water. So the circumstance, as it seems to be, is uh, the person is placed next to a, a river dam or uh, uh, next to the ocean where it's being stopped up by some wall. And uh, after placing the person there and uh, tying him up, he then removes the wall. He removes the, uh, the, the object which was blocking the water from rushing forward. What's the halakha in such a circumstance? Again, on the one hand, it's not, so to speak, the actual um, shot or knife which uh, pierces the person with regards to taking his life. It's the water which is doing so. But on the other hand, it's by removing it that directly this person is hit with the water and drowns or is killed by the uh, power and impact of the water that rushes forward, explains Rav Papa, Gere didehu, this is considered his arrow, umehayev, and as a result, the person who did so is hayav mitatzai, if we kill him with herig in betin, in such a terrible, uh, horrible situation. Now, you might ask, as Yad Rama and others do, uh, this seems a lot similar to what we talked about earlier on Daf'ayin Zayin, and that was the circumstance, just higher on our Amud, uh, in the circumstance where a person may have shot the arrow, and uh, the person who, ultimately speaking, dies is holding a shield, but he runs ahead of the arrow in some way, and Jeffrey said you shot the arrow up, and grabs the shield away. In such a circumstance, we said it's indirect, but after all, you had hasarata monea, you had taking away that which was preventing the arrow from hitting. How's that any different than over here, where the arrow, so to speak, is coming forward from the water, but it's blocked by the river dam, and you removing it, well, that's just hasarata monea, as Nathan already articulated, it's a bit different, and you have to distinguish as follows. With regards to the case where you shot the arrow, the force was the arrow that was shot, the force of death, let's call it, is the arrow which is shot. That's in the air, but it's broken already at the time of shooting by the perpetrator of the crime. The person who's killing, the murderer, as he shoots the arrow is no murderer at all because that arrow is a blunted arrow, no, but it has a sharp edge, but it's going to be blocked by the shield. Taking away the shield then is removed from the initial action. Over here, there was no killing instrument uh, apparent. The fact that the water was rushing forward meant nothing because the water was blocked. The fact that I now, or the person now, removes that river blocking, that dam at the end of the river, or the edge of the ocean, 
That's what creates the weapon. The fact that the water comes forward now and drowns the person or kills him by impact and force, that was created in the moment that it's removed. It means the removal of the blocking uh, instrument, whatever it is, the wall, is effectively a shooting of an arrow, right? That's the words of the Gemara, in fact. It's it's the shooting of the arrow. So it's not that the arrow was shot and then while in the air there was something removed. There was no arrow shot. When you removed the item, you effectively brought forth the arrow and directly killed the person, says the Gemara. But don't imagine that there's no situation over here in this terrible, uh, horrible circumstance of koach sheni, of something that's a bit removed. Because again, we're suggesting that if, or we're stating Rava is, that in a circumstance where the person's placed by the river edge, by the ocean's edge, he's going to be liable to hayuv mita, to herek hanemile. This is specifically so. He qualifies his statement, or the Gemara does. Rishon. It's specifically when and where the, the barrier is removed, and in turn, immediately the water falls upon this individual, taking his life. Aval sheni. But what if he's a bit removed? In other words, uh, you put him uh, some yards or meters or feet away from that uh, river edge. And so as a result, when you, not you, when the person removes that barrier, well, the water does rush forward, but it takes a bit of time, maybe even just a few seconds before it affects this person who's tied up. It means that it has to go through a few waves. It means it has to take a few moments in order to gain momentum. In such a circumstance, we say that's removed to the extent that, again, terrible, horrible, and forbidden, but not hayuv mitabideadam. That's the distinction that Rava draws over here. Again, removal of the barrier is considered kawah, koho. It's the person's strength and might, which is bringing forth, so to speak, shooting that arrow at the person. However, that's specifically if the arrow then comes directly. If the arrow has to go through some sort of loop or some sort of wind on the way, we envision that over here through the water, which is not direct. That's considered gerama, and as a result, not liable to death penalty. You'd have to distinguish. You'd have to determine what was the tide at that time. How close was it? Was you removed it, and the tide picked up in that moment. That's Gerama. You didn't cause that. It jumped over the wall and such. So that's uh, that's like Sof Hama Lavo. That's the the sun is going to come out later. Sof Sina Lavo. But in the moment where you put him there, even though you know the sun is coming up, even though you know it's going to affect him, Gerama. It says the Gemara onward. Ve'amarav Papa. Not Rafa. I said earlier. It's Rav Papa. Furthermore, states Zarak Seror Lemaala. If a person threw a uh, rock into the air, tadin, and then the rock uh, shifts its direction, and it ultimately speaking takes the life of another. Now again, you might have a similar discussion over here with regards to are we talking about galut, or are we talking about hayuv mita? In other words, are we going to consider this an accidental death? Are we going to consider this purposeful? And uh, we saw two opinions in Rashi in the earlier sugya. It might be relevant to over here. But let's assume, for argument's sake, 
in my opinion, no reason not to, like the second interpretation of Rashi from earlier, that you're talking about a hiyuv mitah, the person is purposefully doing so. Throws the rock into the air and he says, I'd like, you, know, you warn him as he does so, it's a strange situation, you see blood in his eyes, he's angry, but he's doing this in a funny way, throws the rock into the air and he has intention to kill anyone who's around when it falls down. And you de- designate and you define what the circumstance is and he accepts that and then if, and it goes into the air and then it moves around a bit. And generally speaking, if, the, air, if the, the item moves around in the air, it has something to do with your strength, it's not just the air, you threw it up into the air and it moved to the right, to the left, forward or backward, uh, in such a circumstance, hayav, the person is nonetheless liable to death penalty, we say that's koho. Of course, that uh, brings us back to what we saw earlier, that the effect of even throwing off a wall was considered koho. Over here we added a new variable, and that is that it moved to the side, it's considered koho. Amarle mor baravashe. The Gemara will kind of address that in context, but why would it be patur? Because you're gonna say it's only the force of gravity in such a circumstance? I, the Hidush is even though it's litzdadin, it seems. Look at Rashi Litzdadin, Derech Nefilata Nafela Kenegdo, two lines from Ban, I'm sorry, yes, Rashi says it explicitly as you just spoke out. Says Rashi, if you threw it up into the air and it returns directly down to where you were, in such a circumstance, we imagine that as not your force which brought forth the death, but rather the force of gravity of some sort. You threw it into the air, it fell directly down. The fact that it moved to the side means it was something to do with your force and energy. Now, it's not to say that you didn't cause the death, but you're not a direct involvement in the death and circumstance is when it fell straight down. It's only when it went to the side, you're right, that's how Rashi reads the Gemara. Says the Gemara, what's the reason? Excuse me. Amar le mor papa, what's the reason? Over here, you're hayav, mishum dekohohu. It must be because you're considering when it moved to the side, that's the marker, that's the sign that this is considered the energy, the strength, the direction of the person who's perpetrating it. Ikoho, if it truly is his strength, tezil le'el, it should keep going up. In other words, when we're envisioning and understanding something that's direct, oh, I shot the arrow. If a person shoots the arrow, the arrow goes direct. That's his force. If the arrow turns around and comes back, well, that's not my force. Now, the fact that it fell down, and that's, that's very clear from the Gemara, Rashi's reading is very clear from the Gemara, the fact that it fell down means it's not my force which ultimately brings the death. No, but you started, of course you started it, but that's going to be Gerama. The fact that it went into the air and the force of gravity pulled it down, that's not direct. The fact that it went to the side, that proves your strength, says But wait a second, if it's truly your strength, if it's no involvement of something else, it should keep going up to the heavens. And that's the way it killed. If there's something, someone up there and you threw it all the way up, all right, in such a circumstance, it's direct. If you throw it off a wall, the Gemara said earlier, okay, so it's your strength which now on the rebound caused this. But when you threw it into the air and it makes its way back down, that's already Gerama. That's not direct anymore. Gravity is not in your control. What's that? The weight of gravity is not in your control. Even better. Even better, even more, Gerama. Why so? Because 
Nothing to do with you. So, okay, so I, I understand your question, but uh, give it one second. If we throw it, right now, this much we know. If you throw it directly into the air and it keeps going up or it hits something on the way up, your power at Hayav, we can accept that, yes? It didn't come down. Didn't come down. There's someone on the roof. You threw it in your head. Good. That's number one. Number two, if it went up and straight down, Patur, we're accepting that. Based on the logic of the Gemara, the Gemara is telling us that's indirect. Question is if it goes to the sides. That's our question. So the claim of Nathan, the claim of Mor Baravashe in just a moment will be likewise. He says, listen, the fact that it came down at all means that it wasn't your power doing this. Is it a little bit of your power? I might be able to admit to that, Rav Papa, but it's not your power entirely. And as a result, that's really his claim. His claim is, so you're telling me because it went to the side, oh, that proves it was your power, it was your strength, it was your direction. But not really, because if it was your power, your strength, your direction, it would keep going up. The fact that it came down means you introduced something else called gravity, called nature into this. And as a result, if it was really your strength which is causing this, it should be keep going up. You didn't throw it down, you threw it up. And if it's not your strength, uh, so then it should come down. And it did come down. Rather, the response apparently of Rav Papa is that in this situation, in this circumstance, the fact that it moved to the side means that there's a weak strength of yours. Meaning, you, uh, yes, your energy, if you were a really strong person, able to defy the laws of gravity, you'd throw it up and it would continuously go up all the way, you know, eternally. That would be your strength entirely. Over here, your strength did bring forth this force. How do you know? Well, it went to the side. That's a proof that I was involved in this. However, I'm kahush. I'm not strong enough. So that's what allowed for it to fall back down. Effectively, he's admitting to the fact that of Papa that there is another involvement over here which is aiding that murderous uh, um, cause of the stone falling and hitting a person. But the fact that it went to the side already shows my involvement, my, albeit my weak involvement with it, to the extent that I'm liable for death penalty or the person is. It's his intent to kill by throwing. Has to be. Otherwise we're not judging him for death. And if his intent isn't, so then apply this all to Ibn Miklat. That's what I was uh, that the two Lishonot in Rashi in the Latin two Sugyoto go um, uh, along those lines. That's the Gemara says Rashi again to uh, the top line Rashi Elakoh Kahushu it's his weakened strength, enokoho hazak, that's like his strong strength, elaksat koho yeshkan, but there's a bit of your strength. And the reason it didn't keep going up, because your strength in throwing uh, ran out. It, uh, you drained it. You couldn't keep it going up. But we can still prove that there's some of your energy, strength, and involvement in, in, in this rock because otherwise it wouldn't have been going to the side. The fact that it went to the side, again, air, uh, you know, uh, winds notwithstanding, assuming it's not a windy day, assuming it's not the wind which carried it to the side, at least to that extent, it means you were involved in that act. That's the statement. Again, none of these situations all that clear and uh, in terms of, you know, Pesach HaLacha and making a clear-cut distinction and, and qualification, but they're setting principles for us. Yes, Jeff? How is gravity different than a wall? In other words, they're both reactive forces that 
send the rock back down to the person. In the circumstance, the hachamim envisioned when you threw it off the wall. What's that? When I throw it. Once it out, the Gemara earlier, and it struggled with it. The, the ultimate Pesach was when I throw it off the wall and it comes back and hits a person, provided that my intent was to hit it wherever they are. Remember, it was Tochar Ba'amot or Mechutzar Ba'amot, I'm liable for death penalty. I'm such a person who did so. However, when I throw it up into the air and it comes down, we're saying the gravitational pull is not, uh, is not uh, including me in this. Now, keep in mind, there is a basic distinction over here. The question is, when I threw it off the wall, where is it going? All has to do a lot with my power, which is involved in this. As if I just threw it against the wall and just kind of uh, lofted it against the wall, it would just fall right next to the wall. The fact that I put my energy into it, that's why I came back with this force. The fact that I threw it into the air and it fell down has nothing to do all that much. The fact that, yes, it's falling from there wouldn't have been in the air, but my force is not involved, as opposed to, in the wall circumstance, very much now. The fact that the Gemara was debating the wall case, whether it was koho or not, was very much in line with, with your question. The Gemara said, maybe that's therefore not your strength. The wall is aiding in this. Maybe that's not koho. The Gemara says, but your strength, ultimately speaking, is part and parcel in what's taking place. It's not, it didn't fall, if my hand is stretched a foot and a half aside from me and I throw it up, it felt... Certainly, if you throw it directly, he's asking when you threw it off the wall. Off the wall. If I throw it directly and I hit a person, kohoho, assuming I threw it in the direction I wanted to and all that sort of stuff. If I threw it off the wall, that's where the Gemara was struggling. The Gemara brought the cases from Paraduma. Maybe it's not the same. Maybe that's not Koho, but the Gemara, ultimately speaking, was standing by it, being posek la'alakha. The person who does so is considered a murderer if they throw it off the wall. So his question is, why so? You're right, uh, Judah. If you throw it directly, that's Koho. That's shooting the arrow. Over here, it's not directly. That's, that's the Hidush of it. It's going off a wall. Yeah. It has to be. What well, has to be? If you don't, then then you're not going to be liable. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be with a warning and everything. All right. Says the Gemara Tanur Rabbanan brings us into another related situation, just as terrible, if not more terrible, because we're involving more people in the, the murder. Hikuhu asara adam be'asara maklot. Ten men surround one man and begin beating him up with uh, 10 sticks, umet, and the person, ultimately speaking, dies from all those strikes. Now, how did he die? Did he die because they all struck him? They said, one, two, three, strike, or alternatively, they took turns, or they're just doing this haphazardly. Ben bebatahat, ben bezeaharze, irrespective, the first opinion that of hachamim is, whether this is done all hitting at once, or hitting one after the other, Peturin. In such a situation, in such a circumstance, according to the Hachamim, your patur, the Gemara, will delineate, will derive this from a pasuk and, and a logic. Rabbi Uda ben Betera Omer, Rabbi Betera disagrees, Beze Aharze Aharon Hayav. He says, I'll agree to the fact that if it was all done at once by all these ten men, 
Well, again, patur does not mean permitted. Patur does not mean that there's not a heavenly retribution. Patur does not mean that we won't incarcerate you. Patur means we won't put you to death. However, says Rabbi Huda, if it was done one after the other, the last one, ha'aharon hayav, the last one's liable for death penalty, because we look at that one and we can point to him and say, you're the one who brought forth the last blow, which made closer in proximity and time his death. Why is it that even Rabbi Uda ben Betera and certainly the Hachamim agree that if kihiku asara bene adam be asara maklot bevatahat at patur? I don't understand. How can you accept that there's no liability to hitting all at once? Rashi cites from a pasuk. Now, there is no pasuk, to the best of my knowledge, ever quoted in Talmud for this. Rashi in Dibur HaMathil, Kol Dehu Nefesh, he says, Umihu, the second line over here, so it's about ten lines from the top, Hechad Hiku Bevatahat, when all the men hit at once, we don't kill all of them. Because the Pasuk in the Torah says, a man if he were to strike. And not two who strike. Does Ozva Adar cite this from a Pasuk, uh, from a Derasha somewhere in Rashi? Is this a Midrash somewhere? I'm not sure. Yes? So I don't I don't know of uh, of, of this derasha. As a matter of fact, Yad Rama has a different derasha because this is a mystery over here. The Gemara never provides the rationale and reasoning. It just assumes that we'll accept this again. If everyone hit at once, both Rabbi Yudah ben Metera and Chachamim assume that Peturim never have a reason why. Rashi says because the Torah says Ish. Now you might say The Torah is talking about if a man were to strike. The Torah doesn't say if many men struck. That's the derasha. Alternatively, it's nefesh tahat nefesh. Says Yad Rama, a soul for taking a soul. It means one soul for taking a soul, as opposed to two souls for taking a soul. That's the derasha of Yad Rama. Okay, but back to our issue. We're talking about one struck after the next, after the next. And ultimately speaking, this man, poor and destitute man in the middle, uh, dies. Uh, is anyone liable for death penalty? Hachamim say patur. Everyone. Biudab and Mitera says, Ha'aharon hayav mitpeneshe kirev mitato. Says the Gemara, Amar Biohanan, Biohanan reflecting on this mahloket, explains, Ushnehem, both Biudab and Mitera and Hachamim, Mikra Echadareshu, they're really deriving their opinion, the source of their halacha, from a single pasuk. How ironic, one pasu can lead me in both ways, uh, opposite directions, either to say hayav or to say patur. How you interpret one word in a single pasuk. What's that pasuk? Vi'ish kiyake kol nefesh adam. The key word is that two-letter word, kol. What does it mean when the pasuk says, if a man will strike the entire or, yeah, well, the entire, all of, the life of another man. Rabbanan Savre say the Hachami, you want to know what it means, the entire? Kol nefesh, adika kol nefesh. It means until the person who is struck <coughs> actually possesses a full fledged life source and direction. If the person is already on his last breaths because someone else struck him before and say the Hachamim, you didn't take his entire life. Did you do the wrong thing? Absolutely. Was it wrong? And, and, and you'll be punished by heaven and you'll even be punished by us? Absolutely. But are you going to be put to death in Betin by Mitatereg, Saif? We cannot call nefesh from the same word, same pasuk says. 
Kol nefesh, kol dehu nefesh. Kol dehu means any part of that nefesh, meaning the same word kol can and is interpreted in opposite direction. According to the Chachamim, means the entire life. According to the means any part of the entire life. Again, ultimately speaking, taking the life, not just bringing it forth, we'd call that gerama of some sort. If it's ultimately taking it, even though you're just taking some of it, you can, uh, let's put, uh, he's 99% dead. In other words, he's got very little left, but you have the final strike, the final blow, says your hayav. That's the statement. That's the mahlok between Biudan Hachamim. That's the dirashot in the pesukim. The Gemara will fine tune these dirashot in the coming lines. So again, to briefly reiterate, we have a mahlok and a dispute between Biudan and Hachamim. It's a well-known dispute. It uh, several times is cited in Talmud. Adam. Did this come up in Masechet Sanhedrin already? Not to the best of my knowledge. It comes up once or twice in Masechet Bavakama. I may have mentioned it at some point. You have as well in a terrible gang rape situation, which is a similar circumstance we may have mentioned. We certainly cited this. I don't remember if we discussed it in the class in a Tosafot earlier in the Masechet. But that's the statement. Over here. Says the Gemara. Um, or, basically, if somebody's on their deathbed and kill them. Aha. Uh-huh. 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 Uh, so we, that's where we're getting. Uh, so says, says Jesse, this, this is very frightening. It uh, certainly, we have any doctors in the room today? No. Uh, certainly puts doctors in a very powerful position with regards to liabilities in a rabbinical court. Because what can take place in such a circumstance is the doctor can claim, I didn't take his whole life according to Hachamim, if we're going to be posek that way, the man was on his deathbed. The man had already been struck so many times. I just pulled the plug on him and took it, ultimately speaking. That's not considered uh, murder. I took a knife and I struck him, but he was already a dead man walking. Import, that's, that's a very important direct implication. I'm not, I'm not committing to it right now. I am going to remind you, it's fully us. So, that's right, that's right. That's, I said liability on purpose. Again, that's right, liability. I'm going to repeat again, as, as everyone is making very clear, for good reason, in terms of Isur, absolutely. In terms of what level Isur, there is a debate in Rishonim, are we going to consti- still consider, and you might ask, what's the difference? There are differences. This person, Orosea. Roseach without a death penalty. In other words, it's not even, it's Ruas, Gerama, it's not, it's Roseach, we just can't put him to death. But yes, says the Gemaraz, along your lines, Amar Rava, Hakol Modim, everybody agrees, says Rava, meaning both Hachamim and Rebiuda ben Betera, Behoreg et Haterefa Shu Patur. If a person, no, 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 not terefa animal. I know we usually say terefa animal in this Perek and Masechet Hulin that talks about Elu Terefot and so forth. No, over here we're talking about a person who's like the animal in that situation. Not like an animal, but that situation. What do I mean by that situation? When we refer to an animal, which is taref, we refer to an animal who will, based on our scientific knowledge, based on our analysis of the animal and its intestines, die within 12 months. Of course, that's not kosher. That's called taref, terefa. You're not allowed to eat an animal, even though it was slaughtered, kadat vekadin, if it was determined that internally it was going to die within 12 months, taref, and it's not, not to be eaten, you can apply that likewise to human beings in, in this circumstance. If the human being we can and have determined 
would have died within 12 months. They have some ailment, some illness, which we know because a vital organ is pierced, because it's not working properly, and they have months, they have days, they have moments to live. In such a circumstance, we'll consider them terefa. Are they the same signs, terefa, of an animal as for a human being? as a debate amongst the Rishonim elsewhere as to how to determine terefa. For our purposes, we're accepting in the most simple way. The person can, and we know, has a punctured lung of some sort, can't be cured. It was punctured, it was severed by another human being. That's important to note as well. Term, uh, important. That's what we're going to call goses in a moment. Hold off on that for a second. But the circumstance and situation is he's tarif. Someone caused this and then another comes along and takes their life. Patur. In such a circumstance, patur. Why patur? Uh, well, except Rashi gives the examples. He doesn't say it purposefully, right? Rashi says, Hakol modim adam terefa. Kegon, for example, nikev haveshet. Uh, the, the veshet is the windpipe has a hole in it. O kerum hamoach, or the membrane of the mo- of the brain. Shehu patur, as patur midelo afligu be. There's no machlok between the biuda and metiran chachamim. Shema amina kevan de nikarim hatichat simanim hayuto gavra ketila simanim hayuto gavra ketila hashivle. Those are the key words. Those are the words you need to repeat in these sorts of contexts. Gavra ketila ketila le. Katil means to kill. You have killed a dead man walking. The dead man walking was put to death. That's the halacha. That's, that's, that's exactly what we're dealing with. Ravaz generations later. Ravaz Batra's last of the Emoraim. He's reflecting on that mahloket. Give it a second. His statement is both Rabbi Yudah and Hachamim agree that if it was a terefa, it'd be patur. Even the aharon. That's interesting. Okay. His words are interesting because he's saying it's a dead man walking, right? So that's, how, that's the way we define terefa. Very important question as well. Very important question. And, and so, says Jesse as well. Says, do we apply this as well if a person is nidon lemita? I'm told he's, put to de- he's going to be put to death. Is it the same thing? Not exactly the same thing because circumstances could change in such a situation, whereas over here our assumption and understanding is physically, scientifically the person can't change, but important point to be made and discussed. So the first case, everybody and Hachamim, the Hidushes, even agrees if it's a Terefav, it's a person who has the pierced and severed uh, or, uh, vital organ, Patur, uh, if you were, if a person were that, to then kill them. Goses Bideshamayim means this is a circum, this is what we call, this is a person Person who's terminally uh, ill. This is a person who bidechamayim. It's not per se that another person caused it to them. Certainly not in the physical sense. I don't want to be too simplistic. I'm sure keeping healthy and all that sort of genetics and all that. But ultimately speaking, the point is it's bidechamayim. This person has an illness, and we look at the person, their ailment and illness. We know will bring them to death. It's a terrible situation, horrible circumstance. But what's the halacha if a person were to then come along and kill them? Shuhayav. You're hayav in such a circumstance. We look at the death penalty upon you as you're the only person 
who injected force to bringing forth this death. But the guy was going to die anyway. But he wasn't, so to speak, killed by another person. The guy was between him and Shamayim. Furthermore, Yad Rama points out, he distinguishes between Terefa, and this might be underlying the whole sugya, Terefa and Koses in the following way. Oh, we could debate, we could argue, but this is how he understands the Hachamim's intention. Terefa is more certain that he's going to die than Goses Bide Shamayim. Why, 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 how could we rationalize that? A person who has the organ, which is severed, assuming there's no transplant, is certainly going to die. There's no way of curing that. The person who has lo'alen or barminan, some sort of terrible illness, there might be a medication which is discovered, there might be some detail we haven't been able to determine and will be, something could change, and as a result, hayav in such a circumstance, you're hayav. So where's the mahluk between biudan hachamim? You told me biudan hachamim. Their mahloket in truth is not a terefa, not when you uh, uh, severed or, or pierced a vital organ of the person, but rather bide adam brought him to a terminally ill state. You struck him enough times to the extent that now we now look at him and say, not missing anything, but he's so diminished in strength and capabilities that he's going to die. Mor midamele litrefa. Hachamim say that case, that's just like terefa. It's like human being who brought him to a death-like state and he's certainly going to die. The last person jumps in and kills him, he's going to be patur. We've seen people terminally ill, they have three months, they're living four or five years, all of a sudden a cure could come. But that's the point in the Gemara, according to Yad Raman. That's why Gosef Pideh Shamaim Hayat. Terefa, the assumption is, again, you might argue today's day and age, you might even argue back then, but the assumption is twofold. Number one, Terefa was initially, I'll have to figure out why this is significant, brought about by a human being, the fact that there's a hole. And secondly, the assumption is a Terefa case is more far off, if not impossible, to cure. You're not going to be able to fix that. When the person has a severed uh, windpipe, not going to be able to fix that. He was struck in his in his in his neck in his in his uh, throat. It won't be fixed. Certainly, certainly. But keep in mind, you know, God God's involved as well. You know, we. I accept he's involved as well when there's a hole in someone's uh, throat. Agreed. Understood. Says the Gemara, Umor midamele legoses bide shamaim. Says the Gemara, the differences between hachamim biudab mbtera, how we will consider this situation. Again, it's not per se that a vital organ's missing, but it is that the person is on their deathbed, uh, or so to speak, on their deathbed, because not actually on the deathbed, we're surrounding them, or it's the doctor who walks into the room of this individual who's in the bed lying there without a any of these organs that were severed per se, looking at him trying to determine what am I going to do in such a situation and decides in some sort of terrible situation, well, I'll kill him. What's the halakha in such a circumstance? On the one hand, he wasn't terefa. On the other hand, it wasn't bideh shamayim, it was bideh adam. That's what we call goses bideh adam. That's the mahluk between biudam and mitera and hachamim, to which we'll t- continue tomorrow to really delineate and, and, and fill out how they understand it, why they understand it as such. Just to point out again, the Gemara now is providing logic when we already brought pasuk. Source was, how do you determine what does that pasuk mean when it says kol nefesh, when the Torah says the entire soul, okay, is it kol dehur biudam mitera, kol the entirety. Now, 
now, what, what underlies that? The question is how we're going to determine and, uh, and, and identify Goses Bidea. Amen, amen.